And it's just this continual sanctification process that we've allowed God to do in us. And I think that that's so countercultural to, to stare at pain. And that has been mm-hmm. the majority of my story is staring long enough at the pain to see what it is that God wants to heal us from. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad you've joined us. I'm your host, Jonathan Darty. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. My guests today are Michael and Heather Norgren. They are the founders of Triggered.app. For much of his life, Michael struggled with an addiction that he couldn't seem to overcome. He tried counseling, pastoral support, recovery programs, Bible studies, and conferences. In all of these environments, he learned the importance of vulnerability and reaching out for support when he was feeling triggered. As a wife to a former addict, Heather is now able to use her story of betrayal to help others who are hurting from broken relationships. Throughout her journey, she has learned much about her own individual healing and how to come alongside someone struggling with addiction with healthy boundaries. Michael uses his abilities of developing software to create tools to help people in their journey to healing. Heather is using her gifts and passions to connect with individuals, businesses, and ministries to find more effective ways to partner together to bring hope and healing to more people. Together, they use their story to bring God glory. In today's episode, Michael and Heather will share with us their story so that it might draw others out into the light of truth, grace, and a new life of joy and purpose. Please check out their amazing one-click app to help you overcome addiction at triggered.app. For additional resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's inspiring conversation. Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and I actually have some relatively new friends on the line. I've got Michael and Heather Norgren. And so, guys, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for having us on. Yeah, and so I would love to just dive right in because I feel like this is a conversation that's uh, not only going to be encouraging maybe to couples out there, but I also think it's going to be encouraging to um, a lot of other people that may be struggling with any kind of addictive pattern in their life because eventually we're going to talk about something that you guys have been developing recently that um, can really be a powerful resource for people who are struggling with um, addictions. And But before that, I would love for our listeners just to kind of get to know you guys because um, there is a story that has brought you to this point in your lives. So can can you give us a little bit of just the background of of your story, how you guys met, the kind of brokenness that you've had to deal with along the way. And then we're going to try to give some encouraging words maybe to some husbands and wives out there as a result. Absolutely. Yes, we would love to share a little bit about what God has been doing and and a a bit about our story. So uh, Heather and I met uh, while we were in high school. Uh, I was 17 years old. um, And uh, when I met her, she had a one-year-old daughter and uh, a daughter that she had while in high school. And um, I was a cook at a restaurant, and she was a waitress, and I remember from day one I looked at her and I said, that one, that's the one right there. Um, she was a little apprehensive. Um, obviously, I was um, a little bit younger than her, and I was still in high school, and she had a one-year-old. So um, little, little did she think that I would 
be willing to step into that kind of situation. So uh, after about three months, I finally got her to uh, decide to give me a chance and, and go out on a date with me, and, and uh, I just fell in love with her and her daughter. Um, so uh, that little girl now is 17 years old, so we have a 17-year-old and a 12-year-old um, daughters. And um, yeah, it's quite interesting having teenagers now in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's how we met, and really our story just kind of immediately unfolds from there. Um, being a teen mom brought a whole set of baggage in itself, a uh, whole lot of wounding and things to work through on my end, um, but God didn't waste any time. Um, unfortunately, we did have a lot of loss right at the beginning of our relationship. Um, I lost my dad to cancer. Um, mm-hmm. He lost his mom to a car accident unexpectedly all within a couple of years, and so it really, um, it added a lot of extra turmoil into our relationship, but it definitely brought us to a really deep place in our faith right off the bat. Um, we both were brought up Lutheran, um, very traditional, and both have had a very strong relationship with the Lord, but in the more recent years have definitely gone deeper um, within the spirit and just kind of the healing of our soul and all of our past wounds. Yeah, so uh, when we got married, um, I had brought in my addiction to pornography. Uh, It was something that the enemy has tried to gain a foothold in my life since I was five years old. Um, Really became a stronghold when I was 13. And it was something that I was convinced I would be able to, you know, shake off when I got married. And once I got married, that addiction would just go away. And and unfortunately for Heather and for myself, it, it didn't go away. And so after we got engaged is when she found out about my addiction. And uh, it was very difficult for her. And uh, I think she kind of had second thoughts uh, when it came to us getting married. But um, we got married and, you know, I promised her that my addiction is going to stop. I'm not going to look at porn anymore. And uh, that was that was not the case. Uh, it was a continual roller coaster for the next eight years of our marriage uh, where, you know, I was just in this... Um, relapse cycle where I'd have a relapse and then I'd be good for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then I'd relapse again and it was just this, this cycle I couldn't break out of and uh, it, it put a really um, big stronghold on our marriage. It was hard to get deep intimately with each other. It was hard for me to um, connect with God because of all the guilt and the shame that I experienced and uh, Yeah, and for me, um, a lot of this journey with Michael with his addiction, you know, I didn't have many people to turn to. And the people that I did turn to, it seemed like the advice that I was given was, well, you just need to be more sexually available. You need Mm. to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And then he won't struggle so much. And unfortunately, a lot of these voices were even um, voices of the church. And so I kind of had those, what I knew to be lies, but you know, these were trusted people that were speaking Mm -hmm. these things into me. And so it was really, really hard to break those lies that I was hearing because that definitely put the weight of his healing into my hands. And I knew that that's not what God desired for me, but it was a really challenging process because I didn't have very many people speaking into me of, no, you need to go on your own healing journey. And in the process, 
you know, the healthier that you get, the healthier your marriage will eventually be. You know, I, I, the best advice I think I ever got was when a mentor of mine told me, you need to just keep chasing Jesus, just keep mm-hmm. running full speed ahead. And when God gets a hold of Michael's heart, then he will catapult him up to where you are. So don't stop. Let that be your motivating factor to keep moving because that's how much further Michael will be projected up. And so that was when things really started beginning to change for me was once I stopped being his Holy Spirit. (laughs) I had to step aside. Well, let me ask a question too, because uh, here you had, uh, you guys already had some sort of, um, unexpected challenges, even just going into your marriage together, right? Um, you talk about so much loss and there, you know, navigating also now, um, uh, you know, Heather bringing your daughter into this relationship with this man and, um, and all of those kind of things. And so Michael, as your pornography issue continued to progress after you got married, what did looking for help or trying to address it even look like for you? Um, what were some of the things that you quote unquote tried in order to, to try to break free from that? Because you, you talk about a cycle, but were there ever, was there ever anybody else that knew about your issue other than Heather? Were, were there, you know, what were the kind of boundaries, if anything, what did it look like for you to try to break free from your porn addiction early on? Yeah, absolutely. So I think in the, the first stages of me trying to break free, um, I was trying to break free for Heather. I was trying to break free for because of the pain that I saw it causing her. I didn't necessarily try to break free for me and for my relationship with God. Um, I was trying to do it for somebody else. And, and um, you know, I tried, I tried pastoral support. I tried um, 12-step recovery programs. I, I did um, recovery curriculums, uh, like Every Man's Battle, um, and did a lot of these kind of group curriculums uh, with other men. And uh, through those group group curriculums, I, I learned a lot of great material. I, I learned a lot of great scripture to memorize. I learned a lot of great tools about understanding our emotions and, and how those come into play and, and um, why... Uh, certain triggers cause um, us to resort towards uh, these coping mechanisms. And, and so I learned a lot of information in there, um, but, you know, it just wasn't sinking down to the heart. And so what started to make that change? Because, you know, one of the things that I, one of the little axioms that I like to use a lot of times is information does not equal transformation. Mm-hmm. So how, when did you begin to see something of a different kind of tra- transformation or change in your life. And and Heather, then if you could talk about what that journey was like for you, because I think you did get some great advice there of chase after Jesus. Um, but at the same time, you're having to also go through kind of this cycle of reopening betrayal wounds every single time that you discover, oh, Michael's done something else in the seek, in the dark or something else that I didn't know about that sort of betrays this trust of, of the, you know, deep, intimate trust. So if you could share a little bit of what your journey looked like as well. So God really got a hold of my heart probably um, three and a half, four years ago. Um, we were coming home on a um, snowy, windy uh, evening in the wintertime. 
uh, the, I, the roads were glazed over with ice and we were leaving a friend's house. We had the two kids in the car and I was stuck behind this and this person going 40 miles an hour in a 55 and uh, I was getting super frustrated with them and uh, I was about to pass them and Heather said, don't do it. You know, it's not worth the extra minute that you'll save. And so I backed off a little bit and, and uh, again, I just got super frustrated and I said, I'm just going to do it. And so I started passing this vehicle. I was going 50, 55 miles an hour. And as Heather shared, my mom passed away um, two years prior to this or three years prior to this in a blizzard accident. Um, so none of that was going through my mind. I wasn't thinking about any of that. And I went to pass this vehicle and I, I put us in a tailspin and uh, we went into the ditch backwards, almost hit a telephone pole and ended up in a farmer's field. And um, my first response was, well, thanks. Thank God we're OK. Let's get out of here. And uh, we ended up calling a tow truck and police officers. And and um, I had my permit to carry. I had my firearm on me, but I didn't have my wallet. I had slippers on and it was in the middle of the wintertime. And so all of these things are just major things that I didn't think was a big deal. Hmm. And after about an hour, we finally get uh, pulled out of the car, uh, out of the ditch and we hit the road again. And I'm like, all right, thank God we're okay. And I just kept going. And she, Heather looked at me and she said, do you not think about the consequences for your actions? Hmm. And that really struck me and because I, 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 I hadn't. Um, I, I'm a man who at that point really demanded respect from the younger generation. I, I thought that, um, we needed to be respecting our elders, respecting authority, all of these kind of things, but I wasn't respecting God. And when she said that to me, it really struck hard. And, and, um, I came across Joshua, uh, where he talks about each man must decide for himself who he will serve whether he'll serve the God of his fathers or whether he'll serve the Lord. And he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it made me think because here I am sitting on a fence. You know, I have one foot um, serving Christ in the church where I'm volunteering on Sundays and I'm going to Bible studies and I'm going to small groups and, and I'm um, memorizing scripture and whatever else. But I have the, my other foot serving my flesh. You know, I'm, I'm looking at pornography um, I'm going um, to the breweries and I have my firearm and I'm drinking too much, you know, too many beers. Um, mm -hmm. I'm passing people on icy roads. Like I'm taking control of my own life and I'm not giving God any control over my life. And, and so I have a one, one foot serving the flesh and one foot serving the spirit. And in Joshua, it really convicted me that, Michael, you need to get off this fence. And so I literally took a two-week um break from my faith. And I said, God, I, I need to figure this out. You know, do I want to serve my flesh? And this is what my life would look like if I served my flesh. Or do I want to serve you? And this is what my life would look like if I served you. And uh, obviously coming out of that, um, I decided to serve the Spirit and um, wanted to pursue Christ and by all means. But um, God really had to get a hold of my heart to, to get me to listen. Now, Heather, where kind of where were you in at this part in the journey? Because, uh, you know, I think that that could have been something that just came from your own head. It seems to me like it probably came from a much deeper place in terms of confronting Michael with that truth about the fact that he's not 
thinking about consequences, but can you tell us where where were you in this journey on your own personal growth as a wife and a woman, but also now in in what was happening in Michael and and maybe what this could mean for your marriage? Yeah, um, the part that he left out was a few days before this accident had happened when he put us in the ditch. We were attending a Bible study that was on, it started with the topic of respecting God. And I so remember when we were at that study a few days prior, and Michael had made the comment out loud that said, you know, I don't really fear God. And and I, it was almost like God highlighted and circled those words when he said them. Mm. And, um, and so a few days later, he put us in the ditch. Um, after that, he was hit with influenza A and was just out for the count. He had had a relapse. Um, so he was sleeping on the couch at that time for about a week and a half. Um, and so from, from my perspective, it was like God was, he kind of pulled me out of reality and was giving me a bigger picture of what was happening. And it was almost like in that scenario, God was giving me a little glimpse of that all my prayers for the last 10 years were about to come to fruition. But it was definitely not going to look the way that I thought it was going to look of just, you know, this repentant man and completely 180 change. I didn't expect it to involve my entire family. And the accident took a big toll on on the kids and myself. I still have a hard time driving when it's bad road conditions. And um, and then my mama bear kind of came out a little bit. Um, it was one thing when it was involving just me, but now it was involving my kids. And and so it things got a little bit more serious as far as, no, this is not happening anymore. And so I don't even remember saying what he still remembers saying. And so I have confidence that that was very much the Holy Spirit. Um, but it was very much an experience of getting out of the way. Because the Lord showed me a vision one time of I was, I was crying out to the Lord after he had had another relapse. And I was just begging God, like, just change Michael's heart. Take this away. And... And I remember him showing me this vision of me standing in a, in a glass soundproof box. And I could see Michael on the outside of the box. And I was waving my arms and screaming and trying to get his attention. And he couldn't hear me because I was in a soundproof box. And all of a sudden, I heard a voice from behind me that said, Heather, sit down. And I saw a chair up here in this room. And so I took a seat. And I realized in that moment what the Lord was showing me. He was showing me that it was him that was saying, Heather, have a seat because he was standing behind me, but he couldn't get Michael's attention because I was too busy <clears throat> flailing my arms and screaming that I was distracting Michael from who was really trying to speak to him. And it was in that moment that I, I really realized what biblical submission was, which was to take a seat and to surrender and have a respect for God first, and then to have respect for my husband to let him go on his own journey as well. And so I really feel like that was a big shifting moment for me, realizing that I had been trying to facilitate Michael's healing by control. And, okay, how are you doing? Are you struggling? Did you look at porn today? Who did you call? Have you read your Bible? Do you want to read this book? I ordered mm. you this book. Are you going to your recovery group? And it was just this constant anxiety on my end, but it was really just trying to control his behavior so that I wouldn't have to hurt anymore. And so it was moments like these that the Lord would show me, 
I need you to sit down. I need you to have a seat. I need you to trust me that I care about him more than you do. And that turns out I was a really bad Holy Spirit. I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and so, I think of all, I think all of us discover that at some yeah. point in time that we, we don't fit the job description. No. Uh, but it sounds to me like at this stage in your story, that's exactly what God was doing is he was starting to get your eyes off of each yes. other and more fixed on him. So can you take us to kind of the next leg of the journey? What does the last four years look like in the sense of you guys both learning? What does it look like for us to first have our focus on Jesus? And then what does that trickle down look like into our marriage and into our family? So I, um, after that incident, um, I watched my wife join a uh, betrayed wives group. Um, I had not joined a recovery group or, or, or this recovery group, but she wanted to continue pursuing her own individual healing. And that kind of inspired me, kind of made me think like she's getting healing for, um, my struggles. And, um, I need to be doing something about this as well. So watching my wife go on her own journey encouraged me uh, to take a part of mine. And so I joined um, a Pure Desires curriculum, um, Seven Pillars. I did the Conquer series first, and then I did the Seven Pillars uh, with a group of men. And it really um, took me back to a lot of those childhood roots, uh, to where um, this addiction, this coping behavior came from, and where it was established, and all the, how the enemy used certain things in my life to um, kind of ingrain this into... Um, my mind, that what started as a moral issue, a, a choice between what's right and wrong, became a, a brain issue or a chemical issue. And, and any time I would experience those same types of trauma or you know, the same types of triggers, um, you know, I was hitting those instant neural pathways where I was going back to my coping mechanism to, to relieve the pain, to relieve the stress, to relieve the anxiety, whatever it, it was. And um, through that 12-month journey, I learned a lot about myself, um, but not enough. And I did it again, went through it again. And so it's just been a continual process of, of learning more about um, why do I do these things? Because for so long, even as a teenager, I would, I would cry after a relapse because I didn't want this. And it was like Paul says in mm -hmm. Romans 7, so why do I do what I do not want to do? For what I know I should be doing, I am not doing what a wretched man I am. And that's how I felt. And so going through this process was really helping me understand why do I do what I do not want to do, you know, and, and really uncover the lies of the enemy um, throughout my childhood and, and uh, teenage years. And for me, um, I was surprised that it really didn't look, oh, it looked a little bit different, but the roots were so similar. You know, he was addicted to not necessarily a substance, but the rush where I was addicted to approval and addicted to pleasing people mm. and trying to be perfect in order to be loved. And we see it over and over and over again. Now that God's called us into marriage coaching as well, which has been just the best job in the entire world to get to watch other marriages transform and for God to use what we've been through in such short amount of years to be able to help others. But it's just so beautiful to get to watch how God uses the most ugly things and 
we face each other because marriage is this big mirror that shows us every flaw and shortcoming and weakness that we have. But yet it's, it's the most beautiful gift because it draws those weaknesses out of us. And Michael had the exact thing that I needed to be able to be freed from all of my issues with feeling like I needed to be perfect in order for him to love me. Um, not feeling like I couldn't be honest, um, really wanting to escape the pain. His was an escape into, you know, a, a release, but mine was an escape to alcohol. And God freed me from that in this process too. And it's just this continual sanctification process that we've allowed God to do in us. And I think that that's so countercultural to, to stare at pain. And that has been mm-hmm. the majority of my story is staring long enough at the pain to see what it is that God wants to heal us from. But so often we look in the, we turn around and run the opposite direction or run to all these different coping mechanisms to try to relieve that pain when really we just need to stare at it a little bit longer to see why it's there and let God free us from it. It's Mm -hmm. like a pressure point. You know, nobody wants you to touch your pressure points, but when they're pushed on, they actually release. And that's what we were experiencing so much of was this release from all of these different triggers in our life. And they just happened to look a little bit different, but because of the core issue of what the sexual addiction did, it freed us both. And as you say that about release, you know, one of the things that I, before we, because I do want to get into where God has moved you now in terms of specifically calling you out into a space of, of ministry and resourcing people that are maybe also wanting to break free from their own addiction. Um, But you guys both in sort of your own way have said something that you didn't say specifically, but I'd like you to address a little bit. And that is the reality that, that grief is actually a huge part of the healing journey. And, and you've had many different seasons of, of grieving in your lives. How significant has, has grief been for that sense of being able to release from those things that were binding you, those things that were killing you. Um, what would you say to those who are saying, you know, grief is only when someone dies, but can it also be something that applies to a lot of other areas of life? And how would you encourage folks out there maybe to lean into grieving rather than trying to avoid or be fearful of it? I'd like to speak on this if you don't mind. Um, for me, with grief, you know, the first grief I experienced was fourth grade when I lost a bunch of friends in a bus accident, and the grief just continued with losing a friend of suicide, then losing my dad, and and it was constantly this this lie that I believed that you know God is to be feared, but in an unhealthy way. And during all this grief process, you're right; it doesn't look that much different when you lose a loved one, whether. You or your husband, you find, you know, that first disclosure, that understanding what is happening in your marriage, you, you have to grieve that what you thought your life was going to look like. And Mm. there, you can't skip different things. Like there might be the anger part that lasts not as long as the denial part, but you don't get to skip through different things and you have to, it's like. When I lost my dad, there was somebody that had told me that grief is like um, you're standing at the ocean and all of a sudden you don't see the wave coming necessarily until it's really, really close. And then you can't run from it. 
and you get hit with this wave and you didn't see it coming and it knocks you over. And it could be the smallest thing. Like it was 4th of July one year for me that I didn't prep for it. I prepped for Christmas and Easter because I knew those were going to be hard, but I didn't expect 4th of July to be hard. And it's being able to dive into that wave instead of try to turn around and run because you're never going to outrun it. And it's learning how to hold your breath and dive into it to come out on the other side and to not be fearful of it, to know that it's one less time that you cried. You know, you got that one out of the way and, and to not fear emotion, to not try to escape that pain, but to know that God is right in that water with you. God is right in that process of you trying to navigate. How do I do this now? Yes, my marriage isn't what I thought it was going to be. But because we've chose to dive into the pain and, and be free from the things that we never would have been free from if it wasn't for this struggle, we now have a better marriage than I could have ever, ever imagined. And I would never take it back. I am at that point where I would never take back what we've been through. I would never want to do it again. Right. But I would never take back what we've been through because it's brought us to ground zero. And we've and God's now showed us how mm. and what that foundation looks like to build upon now. Well, it makes me think of, uh, you know, Psalm 23, when it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It doesn't say God will eliminate all valleys, but it does say that he'll be with us in them. <laughs> and so now as you guys have maybe, you know, come through this particular valley in your, in your marriage, and you're starting to see maybe the hilltops, <laughs> you know, you're starting to get a different view of life on sort of the other side of some of this valley. Share with us uh, what God's been doing in terms of calling you to ministry. And then also tell us about Triggered. We want to learn about that and, and let our audience know about, about that resource. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as we were coming out of um, these struggles and, and working through things, God impressed upon our hearts um, our mission. And it's to use our story to bring God glory and to enable and equip others to do the same. And so we've gone through a lot in our, in our marriage. We've gone through a lot in our lives. And we um, know that in Genesis 50, 20, it says what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. And in Revelation, the enemy will be overcome by the power of the blood of Jesus. He's already done his part and the word of our testimony. And we want to share and use these things that we've gone through that God can use and make, uh, bring purpose through all that pain that we've experienced. And um, one of those ways, like Heather said, we entered into marriage coaching, helping other marriages um, you know, thrive and succeed and, and put Christ at the center of their marriage. Um, but not, another one of those ways is helping people overcome addictions. A couple years ago, I was in that peer desires group that I told you about. And I was um, on our second go around and um, I had just had a recent relapse and I was sharing with the guys in this group. I said, you know, in all of these 12 step recovery programs or, or recovery groups or counseling, even and pastoral support, you know, we know the importance of reaching out to somebody when we're, when we're having a hard time, you know, I, I know I should call Jonathan. Yeah, but it's a 500-pound phone, and I hear that right. over and over and over again. And when I'm having a hard time, it's hard to call. And so I was sharing with this group that 
I had even pulled out my phone to send a text message. I started composing a, a message about um, all the ways that I was feeling tempted and triggered. And the enemy convinced me. No, Michael, don't send that. You can do this on your own. You know, that's embarrassing or uh, shameful or don't bother them. You know, they're busy with their lives. And so I put my phone down. I never sent out that text message and I, and I relapsed. And I shared this with the guys and I said, what if we had this big red easy button that we see on commercials? You know, where anytime we're struggling, whether it's struggling with thoughts of going back to your addiction or whether you're just angry or wanting to isolate or just wanting to run. Um, and what if all you needed to do was to hit that, hit that big red easy button and it would notify your group. And, and these guys were, uh, like, yes, like I could use that, but there was nothing out there, nothing out there like that as far as an accountability app goes. And, uh, like I said, what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. And so a, a year and a half later, God impressed upon my heart. He said, Michael, you need to develop that app. Um, that, you know, the enemy has tried to use technology against you. you know, because, you know, ever since I was 13, that was when I was first introduced to online pornography um, from a friend from, uh, from church. And... Um, that, the, that God would use the very same thing that the enemy tried to use against me, which was technology, to help other people. And uh, that's where Triggered came out of. So Triggered is an app that you sign up for and you log in your accountability partners. And we recommend that it is not those closest to you. It would never be your wife. It should not be your parents. You know, these are the people that are cheering you on from a distance. You know, they're your people in your support group. The It could be a close friend. But that was one of the things that I loved about this concept was that it removed me out of the equation. Because I think for so many wives, when it comes to any form of addiction, they feel a sense of responsibility. I know for me, I wanted to be strong enough to be able to hear the truth of when he was struggling or when he had had a relapse but God never asked me to step in to be in that place. And so um, it's it's an uh, instant alert. You know, it's letting people know it's an SOS. I need help. And it's too much to pick up the phone sometimes and call. And this removes that that barrier and, and helps bring the darkness into the light. So I'm excited. And I think that. sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes what we've seen in our ministry, too, is um, you guys have both demonstrated in sharing your story that you had to come to the realization each individually that first and foremost your allegiance has to be to Jesus and sometimes we don't even realize how even certain tools or methods or strategies of trying to work through some of these brokenness issues in our marriages can actually sometimes and I'm speaking mainly from the husband side because that's the side I can identify with a lot of times that can become something that actually keeps my eyes off of Jesus because now I'm making my motivation more about, well, what's the mood that my wife is in and how is she feeling? And is she, mm -hmm. is she happy with me or all of this? And, and I'm not, I'm not owning my own integrity for the sake of the fact that I'm an image bearer of God and that I, I must be held accountable to him first. And, and am I, am I seeking to, and even with him, Am I seeking to uh, trust and obey him out of a sense of 
mere duty or obligation or will he pat me on the back? Or am I saying, if I understand the full love of Jesus, then that love will overflow in my heart. And as Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So what I hear you guys saying is you're you're trying to help um, a couple and trying to help individuals to be able to see the personal responsibility that they need to have on this journey um, rather than making it about any any one other person. So can you share with us uh, how our listeners can get more information about the Triggered app? Yes, absolutely. So um, we have a website, and it's uh, triggered.app is the website. There you'll find all the information on what Triggered is, how it works. Um, there is a link on that page to register and sign up for Triggered. Um, there is a monthly subscription fee for the person who has access to the easy button, the big red easy button. But for the p- accountability partners who receive the alerts, they can download the app, use it for free. Um, but if they also want access to the button, they'll also have to register as well. Um, so it's it's a simple process. Like Heather said, simply download the app after you register. You enter in uh, one to five accountability partners. Uh, I think three is probably a pretty good number. Um, you have too many. You have a lot of people calling you. Um, you don't have enough. You want to make sure you have a good response. So I think three is a good number for um, partners to be um, on standby. Um, I think I think more than anything, like you said, Jonathan, is we have to be wanting um, to uh, break free. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first step. Um, that if if it's um, my wife telling me I need to get the app. Um, you know, will I actually use it? I'm not sure I would. Um, because to be honest, um, I needed to understand that um, I, I needed to be vulnerable with other people. And that was one of the lies that the enemy has, has shared and tried to teach me was to keep my, my sin secret, um, that it's shameful. And um, God revealed to me that, Michael, I, I love you no matter, regardless of your performance, regardless of the things you do. And once I experienced the love of Christ that was not based upon my performance, um, that's when a true transformation began to happen. That I would be honest with him first and foremost. That John, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But also I had to be vulnerable with other people. And to know that in the midst of being vulnerable, I would still be loved. Mm-hmm. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. And the healing is in the vulnerability. When we're willing to be honest about our struggles um, and our temptations and those thoughts, that's when God can work through that and, and refine us and to heal us and break those chains of bondage. Um, so um, all of this information about Triggered is is on our website. and Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for being willing to share your story. I think that in itself is a testimony to um, the new uh, environment of freedom that you're experiencing in your relationship. I think when we start to be able to tell our stories in a broader sense, we are really we've really been set free um, from the things that have been binding us. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for sharing your story, and thanks for doing what you're doing with Triggered. Thank you, John. It was a privilege to be on here. Thank you. Yeah. Well, listeners, uh, go to triggered.app and uh, learn more about the app. And of course, you can always reach out to us at puresexradio.com. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. 
Visit us online at puresexradio.com.